you know, I think unless you are beneath the ground, you always have a chance. Welcome to the Nurse Surgery Podcast. I'm Mike Wang, and I'm here with my co-host, J.P. Colson. We are here to discuss all things neurosurgical. Hi, this is J.P. Colson, a resident in neurosurgery at Rush University. Please note that this is not a CME event, and the opinions and statements made in this podcast do not reflect those of any institution or professional organization. Now, let's get started. Welcome again to the Neurosurgery Podcast. JP and I are delighted to bring you a, a series of two episodes that will go back to back. This is the second of those two. This is the one on So You Want to Be a Neurosurgeon for College Students. And just to recap from our last episode, we realized uh, from the feedback on the uh, email that many of you are younger, many of you are, uh, are wanting to be neurosurgeons and aren't really in training yet. So we thought we'd give you some feedback on how best to approach that. And so we wanted to bring on a guest. And our last guest uh, last week was Andrew Chan. Just to reintroduce you to Dr. Chan. Dr. Chan is a neurosurgery resident at UC San Francisco, one of the most prestigious programs in neurosurgery. Uh, Dr. Chan, welcome back to the podcast. It's great to be back. Thanks for having me. Great, great. So, you know, you gave great advice last time about how to set the fundamentals or the base of your beginning of your career. Let's move now forward into the college students. So college students uh, usually start at the age of 18 and to 22 if you're on track. And these folks, uh, many of them, as you know, have already come to us saying, look, I want to be a neurosurgeon. And uh, they're in college now. They're getting ready to apply probably to medical school. What kind of advice is a very, very basic level would you give these folks out there? Well, from a very, very broad strokes picture, I think you have to think of two things when you're at this point, when you haven't quite gone to medical school, when you haven't really had, you know, full exposure to all the specialties and you, you're not, you know, 100% certain that this is the place for you. And even if you seem 100% certain, it might not still be the path you end up choosing is to still focus on things that can maximize all your opportunities. So one, you have to make sure to not limit your opportunities. So you have to find success in school. You have to get good grades. You don't want to overextend yourself so that you suffer in any specific area of school. Then you also want to use this opportunity for number two to explore your pathway. So if you're interested in neurosurgery, make sure that your extracurricular activities serve two purposes. One, to build a cohesive narrative that you can continue later on, but also to use those opportunities to explore the medical field, including specifically then neurosurgery, whether that be research, shadowing a neurosurgeon in the hospital at your medical center, um, whatever will kind of get you to understand that field better at this time point. You know, this question is, uh, I think, great for you, Andrew, in particular, because you're, you know, getting near the end of your training. You've met so many residents around the country, so many medical students around the country, but also for Dr. Wang, we, we kind of touched on this in the last episode, thinking about high school students, but I would raise the same question with college students. Um, when you meet a college student who says, one day I'm going to be a neurosurgeon, obviously there's individual and specific variance between these people that you meet. But again, thinking in broad strokes, how seriously do you take that person? And there's no published stats that I know of about this. So in your experiences, how many of those people, A, do you think have a sense or even some understanding of what it means to want to join this field? And B, how many of those people 
have you known that stick with it and stay on the path? That's a great question, JP. Um, and I think it's, it's hard for people outside of the field to maybe conceptualize how difficult I think it is to get into neurosurgery. One of the things that actually Dr. Wang and my mentor, Dr. Mumineni, have likened it to, and I think people can relate to, is that becoming a neurosurgeon is kind of like becoming a Navy SEAL. You know, this is a very specialized cream of the crop group. So, you know, you have to pass through all the hoops. You have to succeed at the highest level at all points, even in medical school and all your rotations. And that's getting into medical school first. And so I don't mean to minimize when people say that they're interested in neurosurgery. I'm fully supportive of that, but it's a very select group. So I think it's, uh, you know, you, you, you file it away, but you're, you're not sure if, you know, they'll really stick it through. Um, to answer your second question, then how many people really stick with it? I think I've seen a son of a neurosurgeon uh, that I knew very early on said they wanted to go into neurosurgery and stuck it through it and is into neurosurgery now. Uh, but aside from that, almost uh, everyone else I've heard at maybe the college level, I have not seen carry through. Um, I have actually had the opportunity when I was a medical student at Columbia to form a student neurosurgical team. Uh, which was a team that I helped interface with the attendings. I helped them get uh, in some clinical research projects. And these were all students from Columbia University undergrad, high achieving, that thought they were interested in neurosurgery and going into neurosurgery. And I don't even think one of them from my initial group uh, is even in medical school. So I think that, that kind of says uh, to your question, you know, that a lot of these people aren't ending up going into neurosurgery. Wow. Um, and, and I, you know, I'd like to clarify a bit. Obviously, I, I don't mean that comment in any way to minimize the hopes or aspirations of any college students out there who want to join this field, um, but more so to observe that neurosurgery is one of those fields that has a certain romance about it, that even young children say, when I grow up, I want to be an astronaut, a rocket scientist, a neurosurgeon. So, kind of respecting the ambitions of, of those college students who do aspire to join this field. Um, Andrew, what opportunities do you think are perhaps unique to the college student or become available to someone of college age that may not have been for the high school students we talked about before in order that they can become more familiar with this field that they're aspiring to join? So I think the two main things that I think, at least at the local centers when I was an undergraduate and also when I was in medical school, that were opportunities that were available to college students that were not available to, uh, let's say, high schoolers, uh, were the ability to get really close shadowing opportunities with uh, the surgeons, uh, the neurosurgeons in the hospital. I think uh, at one of the hospitals, they weren't even able to, uh, you know, watch the surgeries themselves unless they were at least in college age. Um, so that's one. I, I believe that I've heard of college of high school students, you know, shadowing in the clinics or you know, meeting with neurosurgeons, but I'm not sure how, you know, close you can get to the surgical field, for example, to really get that experience of neurosurgery when you're in high school. Uh, and then additionally, I think people in research groups, you know, in neuroscience labs or whatever field of neurosurgery you're interested in doing research in, um, don't quite take high school students as seriously as they take college students. So I definitely know of high school students that are involved in research or try to get involved in research. Uh, but I'm not sure it's as meaningful as it is and as um, you have the opportunity to accomplish as much as when you're in college. 
So let's recap that, and and I I like how you summarized that from our last episode. But for the college student, I would think, uh, Andrew, that the four major tenets, I mean, obviously, if you are the captain of your college football team, that's going to look great, right? Or if you started your own biotech startup. But let's take the average person who wants to do neurosurgery. I would say that there's academic scholarship, which would involve your courses, your major, your uh, MCAT scores and the like. I would say there is research, as you indicated, that is uh, that is basic science or clinical research where you could publish. I would say there is volunteerism, which is uh, showing that you uh, have a compassion and an interest in medical medical volunteerism. And I would say the last one probably is some element of mentorship, right? As you indicated, that is, I don't like to call it shadowing, but developing a, a, um, a mentee role with someone who maybe is a doctor or a neurosurgeon. And I want you to just very briefly go through these four pieces again. The first one is for the college student doing scholarship, what's your major, what's your grades, what's your test scores. The second one is research in a lab or clinic. The third one being volunteerism, like at a, at a, uh, a free clinic or something like that. And the fourth one being the issue of seeking a mentor, seeking guidance and, and direction. Could you take those just a little bit, just like a 30 second on each one of those? Uh, in terms of guiding a college student through each of those? Yeah, in other words, a college student comes to you, they, they, they're going to ask you for your advice. You say, okay, well, I, I can I could do it. I could say, well, you know, grades, you got to have the best grades, right? MCAT, you got to have high MCAT scores. The major something in, 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 the, in the STEM fields, engineering is probably the best. That would be like my advice. But, but, but take them through how you see it at UCSF. I see. So in terms of those four tenets, which I think you've highlighted all the key points of, you know, all the buckets you have to think about when you're in college, academic scholarship, uh, research, volunteerism, and mentorship. I think you have to excel at all of them uh, to one, get to an excellent medical school, and two, to then um, have a, the foundation to get into neurosurgery. So for academic scholarship, I think it's a bit more obvious here. You want to have the highest GPA you can have. You want to um, excel at your MCAT and your placement exams when you take those so that you'll be competitive at a top medical school. Because uh, for better, for worse, I think when you're at a top medical school, you have more opportunities then to enter competitive fields because you have both the experience with the department that is probably high achieving, uh, but also then the network to help you um, as you're applying into neurosurgery and medical school. And that all, you know, can be brought back to you know having very good grades so that you pass some of the cutoffs uh, on the application process and also uh, having a really good MCAT so it's above the cutoff uh, for certain medical schools as well. Now, you know I think it's plus or minus importance for having um, the you know some people do double majors, some minors, you know try to tack on as many. Um, additional things. Um, but I think if, as long as you, uh, or, you know, make sure they do a science based or a neuroscience based, uh, uh, degree, but I don't think that that's absolutely necessary. I think you can do whatever major that is interesting to you and that will make you well-rounded. And I think that is actually also as interesting to admissions officers for medical school. And when you're ultimately applying in neurosurgery, plenty of my colleagues do not have science degrees from undergrad. They actually have, you know, English majors or psychology majors. I myself am a psychology, sort of psychobiology major from UCLA. Um, so I think that you don't need to pigeonhole yourself unless you are interested in the sciences. Now, for that second uh, bin, as I'll call it, is the research bin. 
So I think there's two goals here in undergrad is, you know, one, you, you do need to be productive. Um, that's helpful for medical school, certainly when an admissions committee member is looking at you that you not only do research, but that there is something to show from that time. Um, some sort of publication with your name on it is helpful. Um, but two, you can also take this opportunity to really take an honest look at yourself and ask yourself if research is something you'd like to do for the rest of your life. Um, because in neurosurgery, that's the kind of applicant that they're looking for uh, in medical school, someone that will contribute to the field with clinical or basic science research. So if you can tell yourself categorically, this is something that's not very interesting to you, that you'll be really pulling teeth to do, then you've got to consider that neurosurgery might not be the optimal field for you ultimately. Um, now, in terms of volunteerism, I think every, everybody needs to have some form of volunteerism in medical school uh, to apply to medical school. Um, I think everybody wants to know that you care about helping patients and you care about um, people. And I think this helps to demonstrate that. Um, you know, they don't want some sociopath that will harm people. So I think this will help you to, to separate yourself from those people. And I think, you know, I myself did an uh, experience at UCLA called the Student Stroke Team. Uh, this was great because I got to work in the hospital near the emergency department and the neurology team there and help to uh, interview stroke patients or identify stroke patients for clinical trials while I was at UCLA. So it was directly relevant to my neurosurgical field. Um, and so that was a nice narrative that I was able to build on for the rest of time. So again, to go back to the initial you know, what should I be doing when I'm in college and to enter um, medical school to ultimately go into neurosurgery? You know, you want to build, uh, start being able to envision a narrative that you can build upon. And then the last thing for mentorship, I think this is the most important thing uh, for success at any point in life, really, for and to also make sure that you're doing the right things in life. So from high school to college to medical school, to residency, I'm graduating residency is still the most important thing is to find someone that you think you want to model your career, possibly even your life after, and ask them the hard questions, um, get advice from them, you know, really closely follow them to see if that's something you want to do, um, but also to then help set you up for success, which I think certainly in college is incredibly important for getting into medical school and ultimately getting on that path to becoming a neurosurgeon. Wow, such excellent advice. And uh, first off, from one psychology major to another, I salute you. Uh, we made it. But uh, beyond that, not only was I a psychology major, but I was and remain an avid fan of science fiction. So thinking about that, I'd like to take a step beyond those four elements that we all just detailed and think about the fifth element, that X factor um, that kind of distinguishes an individual and certainly distinguishes, I think, people who are appropriate for neurosurgery and self-select to pursue neurosurgery. Um, beyond those four bins that you just detailed, Andrew, which I think are necessary to get into a good medical school and succeed and put yourself on the road, I think there we could all agree that there's some X factors, some otherness or some other quality that goes beyond those things to, to kind of delineate an individual who rises above. Um, I often say to people that to be any kind of specialist, you don't just know your field, you know all of the other medicine beneath your specialty, and then you pyramid up your specialized knowledge over that. So could you speak a little bit toward a college student who 
wants to pursue neurosurgery, knows how competitive it is, and feels the pressure to perfect those four bins that you just discussed. Oh, I have to have perfect grades. I have to volunteer, et cetera, et cetera. And so maybe is tempted to forego that thing, that passion, be it a sport, an art, an odd hobby that really sets them apart from the rest of the herd. And could you maybe speak to how they could find time, find a place, and, and not feel anxiety about making room for that in their life? JP, I'm so glad you brought that up. This is something near and dear to me as I myself am, you know, mentoring people through this process in undergrad and going on to medical school. Like, what do they need to do? And, you know, it's so competitive these days, hyper competitive in college. You have to be, you know, have those four bins we previously talked about, academic scholarship, research, volunteerism, mentorship. And exactly as you said, this is just the bare minimum. You have to excel at all those things and still differentiate yourself on top of that. And that really is the X factor you're talking about. And I think I find much too often that people neglect this um, in their in their in their total package when they're applying to medical school and something they have left to the wayside. Um, I like to conceptualize this in what I think makes the perfect neurosurgeon. Uh, it's obviously someone that is a amazing clinician and surgeon, someone that is a groundbreaking researcher, but also the third part of that is that you are a leader. And so you want to be in doing your X factor, something that is a leader, an innovator, something that makes you interesting. And I think it's easy to try to do something that everyone else does because we are always looking over our shoulder. We want to make sure that we're not messing, you know, our application up, but you know, we, it's hard to be the best that, you know, if you want to be the best piano player, you know, there are so many people that are piano players. I think it's nice to pick an activity or hobby that does truly differentiate you very early on. Now, I'm not saying that if you really love the piano that you should give that up. That, that's hardly what I'm saying. But I think you should think about hobbies and extracurriculars or other act additional activities as something to help differentiate yourself and that you use college to find the time to do this. Yeah, Andrew, I love that you balance that uh, desire to sort of excel, but also keep your mind open in some ways as you get more focused you maybe lose sort of the general sense of things and you want to remain exploratory and creative. And, and, and I commend you on that. How about this issue? And I think it's an important one when you're in college and you're looking at your grades, maybe, uh, maybe you kind of screwed up OCHEM, right? That's the organic chemistry. And, and you're thinking, wow, everybody's telling you, you're not going to go to UCLA medical school or whatever. Right. And you're saying, but I still want to be a neurosurgeon. How about people who say, well, maybe if I go to a DO school or if I go to a Caribbean school or something like that, do you think that people who are, who are, who are making that decision have boxed themselves out of neurosurgery or do you think there's still a lot of hope for them? Do you think that, uh, that those folks who maybe said, well, my grades or MCAT weren't as good, I still have the desire, just like someone who's short or maybe a, a small can still be a Navy SEAL, right? Yes. So, you know, I think unless you are beneath the ground, you always have a chance. Um, so I think, you know, all those things are, are obstacles. If you don't do well, if you fail a class, if you um, maybe don't get into medical school your first time around, these are all obstacles that can be overcome. 
But, you know, if you start stacking up a ton of things on top of each other that you need to overcome, then, of course, it gets harder and harder to achieve your goal. For some of those specific things, I, I've definitely heard of people failing classes that are still getting into medical school that can still get into a competitive specialty. Um, I've seen great success stories of DO applicants, uh, sorry, DO um, ultimately doctors that are now neurosurgeons um, that have fought the good fight all along the whole way. Um, I think it is a bit of an uphill battle, certainly, um, with the biases that exist in our fields and the application processes. But I wouldn't count yourself out, especially at this early time point, because you still have plenty of years to, quote, make up for any deficiencies before you're applying to neurosurgery. If you're not under the ground, you still have a chance. What a fitting summary to this two-episode series with the channel himself, Dr. Andrew Chan. Um, I want to thank you on behalf of Dr. Wang, myself, and our listeners for sharing your experiences and your advice for our listeners of perhaps an unusual age group for the show, people who are looking to join our field and not already in it. Um, I think that uh, that sentiment perfectly encapsulates the attitude that these young people should take, that this is obviously a difficult road and a long road, but it is a road that is laid out before everyone if they choose to stay on it and choose not to turn away. So, Andrew, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. Great stuff. Well, thanks for having me.